Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Josh Dodick, top, top dollar founder, and he helps people make and save more money. Welcome to the show, Josh. Good day, AJ. Thanks for having me on today. Welcome. Welcome. And uh, Josh, just because you are talking of money, so we'll straightway talk about money. You also, you know, help people uh, become millionaires if they want to, and everybody wants to become a millionaire. Almost, you know, living even, uh, there was a monk who sold his Ferrari, but that was after perhaps becoming a millionaire. So let's talk about how do people walk on that path with you. You currently manage a multi-million dollar arbitrage trading business as well as well as a tax efficient investment portfolio but first talking about your company itself what it does top dollar what it what does it your company do how what sort of advice do you provide to your clients sure, sure. so, so uh, my you know my background is as a uh, wall street investor as a professional trader um and for the last 15 years, I focused on building out uh, professional strategies, and I'm currently managing a large investment portfolio. Um, and over the last year, I've shifted to launching Top Dollar Investors. Um, and the idea is to basically promote financial literacy and sound financial advice and ideas and just get the free content out for everyone to try to level the playing field, to let everyone know the strategies that a lot of professionals here know, and just to try to make sure everyone has uh, a fair chance of building wealth and making money. Okay, okay. Your uh, audio, Josh, as I was telling earlier, now it's come back again. But let's see if we can manage with this. Otherwise, we'll just try and fix it again so that people can make the best, best out of what you are, uh, uh, what advice you are giving. So, Josh, just to understand uh, the type of investment that people are making in, in their lives and everybody wants to retire early, like you have retired in your 30s by making the best of the opportunities that you got. But you have that financial uh, sort of a knowledge about personal finances and all that stuff about the market. But how does it work for a normal person? How do they start investing in things that works best for them going forward? Because a lot of people may uh, are from different lines. In India, people, everybody wants to do uh, something from an early stage that they, that they can become, not retired maybe, but at least it can build up enough money for themselves for the future. Tell us how, where, how, how and when can one start investing? How do they go about it? Sure, absolutely. Sure, that's a great question. question. So, so, first and foremost, most, most, most important thing you can do is to start getting involved as soon as possible. possible. And it doesn't, and it doesn't matter, matter where you are in your journey, whether or not the audience or the listeners are a late teenager or in your 20s or 50s or even close to retirement. The more time you have, the more beneficial anyone. Sorry, what was that, AJ? Yeah, Josh, your voice again, audio. Can you just read? See if you can. Uh, Is that better? Better. Not too much, Josh. Uh, 
what is the better method is there a method where you can use your maybe which is not always the greatest idea but maybe you can reconnect your mic just one sec Is that any better? Yes, yes, much better, much better. Sorry about that. So, uh, I, I, as I was saying, um, you know, getting invested uh, is is something that anyone could do at any point. Um, but it's just important to be disciplined and to set down and have a plan. So, what I teach at Top Dollar is, you know, there there's no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. The idea is to invest for the long term and have a long term plan. And make sure you're continuously re-looking at it and monitoring it and making sure you're on track. So, for example, before you even sit down to build a portfolio or to decide what to invest in, you have to take a look at your financial position, where you are today, how much money you already have saved, how much money you're making, how much money you could afford to save and invest versus how much money you need to spend on everyday life. And then once you have an idea of how much you could save, you should start looking and planning as much as you can into the future. And I know it's challenging, but the more you could plan and the more you could predict large cash outflows, let's say for a wedding, for a home, for school, for education, whatever it may be, uh, the, the better chance you'll have to be able to set up a model and actually decide how much money you'll need to achieve that target, how much money you'll need to invest. And what investing is basically is it's looking at the historical returns of various different products. So generally, we talk about stocks as one of the major investment tools. And in the U.S., for example, stocks have returned about 11 to 12 percent on average over the last 75 years. We can never guarantee that, but it's a good model for what we assume the, the markets may perform. So we know that if we invest over the long term and we are not over emotional, we're not trying to time the market by trying to buy when we think it's low and sell when we think it's high, but just slowly invest and stay the course we know that over time, our money will continue to grow and compound at favorable rates. And we can make a lot of money the more time we have. Right. Right, Josh. Now, suppose if a person starts early also, a lot of people give them the advice of, you know, putting more money because they have a higher risk appetite. They can put more money in the stock market. And then people tend to move more towards trading and all that stuff. How do you balance that thing that, you know, your uh, capital is not at risk to such an extent that when there is a problem in the stock market and when you want to exit for some special needs or something, you are not uh, stuck with heavy losses. How do you manage both the investing part in terms of your risk appetite, but not varying towards towards trading. How does it work for you uh, at the same time taking the adequate amount of risk to build up a good uh, portfolio for yourself? That's a great question, AJ. So we can't control what the markets do and we can't be fortune tellers and predict it. What we can do is know what our investment timeline is. And the more time we have, the more risk we can take. 
So for example, if you're just starting out to work in your late teens or your early 20s and you are still single and you don't foresee any large cash expenditures for at least five to 10 years out, you have much more room to take risk. And you definitely have more room to put more of a large allocation of your savings and your investments into a stock market as opposed to when you get older and closer to retirement, or as you are approaching specific milestones, like let's say you were saying you were saving up and you have a large cash outflow upcoming for a wedding. Well, as you approach the suggested target, whether that be retirement or a large cash outflow, you need to start moving some of your allocation over time, and not just a little bit ahead of time, but you build out, a, like we were saying before, you build out a target game plan. So perhaps even 10 years before, you slowly start moving the allocation down from a risky asset, such as a stock, to a more conservative asset, such as gold, for example, or a product that won't potentially crash 30% overnight historically. So, for example, in practice, if we were looking at this, a 20-year-old who has no need for their investment cash over the course of 10 years might be able to put as high as 80 or even 90% in stock markets. I mean, traditional advice used to use the rule of 100 or 120, which is you take the number 120, you subtract your age. So if you're 30 years old, you end up with 120 minus 30 is 90, and that's the suggested percentage you should use in the stock market. And the rest should be in conservative assets, which usually means gold or bonds. Um, and you could understand that model as you get older, potentially every 10 years you get older, 10% more of your risky investments in stocks should move to the conservative investments. And that's to adjust for the fact that if the markets become more volatile over time and you're getting closer to needing that money, you won't have as much access. If that makes that sense. sense. Okay. Okay, Josh. Now, one thing is that, you know, you have been part of the Wall Street. And a lot of people, even in the US, in, in, in India also, when there is a stock market doing well, at that point in time, there is a lot of noise from everywhere. And people, you know, people are, you know, guided by a lot of greed as well as fear as we all know about the markets and when you are guided by greed then your your understanding of other things you know perhaps takes a backseat at that point in time somebody who is young and knows he has a stable job or has a good risk appetite and is not able to think too much about the future at that point in time you may get swayed away away by a lot of noises about new companies maybe ipos about some companies doing very well or maybe having a very uh, uh, good sort of a growth uh, trajectory. How do you uh, make sense of all the noise that is a lot many times artificially created? And how do you still stick to your, to your larger vision of creating something for yourself which can lead to financial independence or even early retirement if one wants to? How do you make sense of all that uh, content that keeps on flowing all the time, uh, especially, you know, when they are targeting the younger guys? Absolutely. So I think, I think the focus here is hearing to think about how, how someone like you learn about it. Sorry, Josh. Again, there is echo happening. I don't know uh, why, why is it. Is, is there an option where you cannot use this? 
and just reuse the laptop mic. Will that work for you? Does it work? Uh, I just replugged this. Is this any better? I could try the laptop mic. Again. Yes, yes, yes. This is better. This is what we want. Oh, well, I just unplugged and replugged, but I'll, I'll jump in and let me know if there's any mic issues. Yeah. Um, so I was su suggesting to think, you know, from a more conservative standpoint, like Warren Buffett, where the idea is to avoid shiny objects. And I think this is a big mistake that a lot of even smart, educated investors and professionals make all the time. I've seen it many times over and over by really smart Wall Street, you know, investors that I've worked with. And you almost you don't want to go a little against the crowd. And if you hear too much hype and too many people are telling you about these stocks and those stocks, and too many people are talking about Bitcoin or this or that, it's usually a more dangerous point to invest because these products are a little overhyped, overinflated, and overvalued. And at the flip side, you know, when sentiment is kind of how it is now, which is a little more bleak than it had been over, let's say, a year ago, historically speaking, it's probably a smarter time to be investing a little more because the markets are a little undervalued and a little cheaper. And not to say that we could predict the future and we know where the markets will be in a year. But generally spoken, when things are over-talked about and over-hyped and you're seeing them on TV all the time, that's usually not when you want to be invested into a specific sector or product. And it's challenging. You know, you, you turn on CNBC, you turn on the news, you hear people talking about it, you, you, see, you hear stories of people who are making millions of dollars. But as again, as Warren Buffett would tell you, you know, he became a billionaire not by investing in sexy or shiny companies. He invested in boring companies, fundamental companies that were cheap, that did well, companies like Coca-Cola, companies like insurance companies, financials. These are not high-flying companies that are trying to revolutionize the world. It's very hard to make those calls on which companies are going to succeed. So I generally support investing in passive funds, diversified portfolios, stay the course. That's what's going to return you huge amounts over the long run. It's time plus returns compounds. And again, I, I love talking about the rule of 72. If you don't know the rule of 72, it's a shortcut to kind of just dis to discuss how quick it takes for your money to double. And basically right. you, you, you can multiply an interest rate times the number of years. And if it equals 72, so nine times eight, nine years at 8% yield is 72. And that, so if you were earning 9% every eight years, your money would double. I mean, so if you have 30 years until retirement or 32 years until retirement and you're able to invest and that number could double four times over, just think about how much you could return. You don't want to take unnecessary risks and go for things that are today's hype, in my opinion. Right, Josh. Uh, so when, when trying to save money, build a future for yourself, build wealth for yourself, for your future, how do I know how much money do I need? What is enough for me? How do I determine what would be enough for me to retire? How should I decide about that when I'm in my early 20s or even in 30s? Sure. So, I mean, this is where the planning phase is super important. And, you know, in the U.S., financial advisors are highly used and it's a huge industry. Although I propose a top dollar, a do-it-yourself. And I have many articles talking about step-by-step -step guides of how you go through the entire guidance scale, how you kind of put together. And, and I even recommend using simple tools like Microsoft Excel. And it's, it's pretty simple. You basically, again, try to think as much as you can into the future, try to predict cash flows, 
even the things you can't predict, you have to allocate certain amounts for, there's ballpark figures for how much you might need for retirement based on how much you're spending. Um, and, you know, ultimately you have to see how much you're going to need, how much you could invest. You run investment rates based on certain historical numbers, which I, you know, have given on my site, but basically, like I suggested before, historical rates about nine to 10% in stocks, perhaps closer to five to 6% in bond markets and different on different commodities and assets. If you wanted to invest in gold or other things, and you put together a basic portfolio, you put in the numbers and you kind of see how much that will generate you in 10, 20, 30 years over your time horizon. And if there's gaps, you have a few simple decisions to make. You could either work harder, make more money, start a side hustle, try to change jobs to make more money, decide to budget, decide you're going to not, you know, hit these goals that maybe are not possible and you could live cheaper. Um, But at least you want to have a plan and having that understanding of where you are and where you're going is really what is key in having in being able to achieve financial independence, right? Because then you kind of are able to assess your target, your goal, how your progress is going and make sure you're on track so that you'll be able to accomplish these goals. What you don't want is to just willy nilly be investing a little money here and there, not really have any idea of how much it'll make, not really have any idea of how much you might need um, because you also don't want to take more risk than necessary. You know, we gave a general guideline before of how much risk you maybe want to take if you're younger, but the, the, the name of the game is to try to make as much as you can with as little risk as possible, right? So that in the event of a large market downturn, you don't have to, you know, have the stress and the risk. So by having this game plan and modeling it out through, let's say, an Excel sheet, um, you will have a better idea of how much you actually need to be investing in different assets. Right. Right, Josh. Now, as they say that you should not uh, look at timing the market in the same way of planning your future. If you start planning your future too much, uh, how do you uh, also live your life as you go along? And then the youngsters, they use this term called YOLO. You live, you only live once. I know you are, you are a young guy. You have made enough money for yourself, but not everybody has that amount of money and they also want to live life. In the US, it is much more, you know, that uh, life for themselves and spending on a daily basis. How do you balance both the things? Just like the planning of your life also, as I say, timing, uh, not, not to time the market as well as how can you time uh, time the quality of life that you have built for yourself for the future it may not just work themselves and you may lose, lose out on the present how do you balance both the things together so that you live today and also are able to live tomorrow whenever it comes that's a great question aj so i by no means am proposing to anyone that they should not be spending money saving every dollar that is not the message i am supporting i enjoy travel i enjoy going out i enjoy living my life what i am suggesting to to be successful in achieving financial independence is to frequently but infrequently at least once a year potentially twice a year go through see how your spending habits have gone you know, every single day you don't need to think, oh, should I not do this? Should I not do that? I still suggest being as spontaneous as you want. Nevertheless, you do have to check in with yourself every six months at least and just make sure that you have the money to continue living the way you are. 
again, it's more about having a long-term plan. You can still live your day-to-day spontaneously, but if you want to have money in the future to continue to live the way you want to live today, you need to be a little bit thoughtful about how you live your life. Um, But again, I am fully in support of enjoying your life, living for today, spending if you can afford it, spending if you will enjoy it, and spending, you know, creating a budget that allows you to spend a little and save a little. Right, right. And to save a little and to live even the present life, there should be some good money habits. What money habit should one have, you know, to make the best of everything? What should people do generally in a day-to-day life in terms of money when they are dealing with money, thinking about money, and even saving money? Sure. So I think the the number one thing is to try to not live above your means, um, which is easier said than done. And, in you know, I'm in an expensive city here in New York City where housing is extremely expensive. And I'm sure in several cities in India, it could be quite as expensive. But um, as, a, as a general rule, we generally suggest not to try to spend more than 40 percent of your annual gross income on housing. Um, you know, you don't want to be spending too much on any sort of asset that doesn't hold value. So a depreciating asset like a car or a bike, um, these are not intelligent places in the long run to put your money or to overspend. Um, Again, I don't want to tell anyone how to enjoy their life or how often to go out. Um, And depending on your salary, you may have more or less percentage of your income available to save. But I think housing is a very smart place to start. And I think you want to commit to saving for your retirement and thinking about how much money you might need one day when you're not working to carry you off, assuming you'll live a long, healthy life for those next 30 years and make sure you'll have enough of a nest egg that at least you'll be ready for those years and you won't be stressed and concerned about money or having to feel like you'll work forever. Right, Josh. Now, you know, one of the biggest uh, thinking that requires is to build a portfolio. Now, generally people say go for real estate, go for gold, go for those good companies. But when it comes down to actually, you know, building up that portfolio, uh, it is not easy to pinpoint which company uh, because then you there will be name, many suggestions at the same time. How do you future proof that companies may you that you have chosen or you have been suggested by someone else may not do as good and it may not they may not even exist. You never know by the way things are going. Even companies which are making a lot of noise. They, and, and who have got a lot amount of investor investment and investors, they are also uh, in huge losses. Like in today's time, you see so many job losses are also happening, even in companies and big companies are in not great shape, but their valuation is at a, at a quite healthy level. Now, how do you choose something that is beyond these things? Is there something else that they can look at? How do they know that what works today, what you that you use for future planning will also work in the future. Real estate, you know, just like 2008, nobody, uh, hardly people has forgotten that. Now, is that is that the best idea? Is gold the ultimate thing? Is the market the only thing left? Is it mutual funds? So that thing is that then when when do you go? Do you go to a investment advisor do you plan it yourself 
when it comes to uh, and and it all works every time you will get different advice from different people as an individual who has not got that finance knowledge as you have got or as others will suggest how do i still evaluate all the information that i am getting even from my financial advisors even for my investment advisors and still ultimately it's my life and when i will come to that position these people will not be around it will be me and my whatever investment that i made and at the light at that point in time several questions i'm asking you at the same time george but so that they are all so related and your wisdom your understanding of not just the stock market but you know the way you are helping your clients will help a simple person a common man guide through all the noise that happens all the time please help so you brought up a lot of good points so let's let's and they're all interrelated so let's kind of first understand that you're right there's professionals people who do this all the time who are not always perfect or correct in fact if you've ever heard of S&P which is one of the large index providers S&P global indices does studies on this every year and what they measure is active management which is basically trusting your money to a a professional fund manager versus passive index investing which I'll touch on in a minute and they find that over the last 10 to 15 years active managers have only beaten passive index investing about 10% of the time and furthermore when you are actually trying to choose the right thing it it's a double sword because you not only have to choose the right moment to buy it but you have to choose the right moment to sell it especially if you're going to over invest in a specific stock or a specific sector or a specific asset class like you said like real estate or gold so really i think everyone has the ability it's extremely simple what you need to remember is it's about diversification you need to spread your investments across as many sectors and basically not have too many eggs in one basket and that's why my favorite types of investments are passive index investments and you could achieve that in multiple ways uh maybe your audience knows of mutual funds personally i enjoy using etfs or exchange traded funds which for those who aren't familiar are basically new age mutual funds which offer a few additional benefits um they're a bit more tax efficient which means that as the fund managers are managing um the actual assets on behalf of the clients they're able to avoid having to pay extra taxes to their uh registered country whether that be the US whether that be China whether that be India so it preserves more money in the actual funds which is a bit of a nuance but ultimately i think investing in either these mutual funds or passive index etfs and i basically suggest going with some of the largest broadest ones some of my favorites are some of the large vanguard or schwab these are major issuers or i shares um who issue you know broad market which will invest in over 3000 individual stocks and you're not you know going to get overly impacted by one specific sector like energy going down or tech going up or tech going down and i think this is the most intelligent way to invest and in the long run we see no actual evidence that you know gurus or experienced active managers are outperforming so the truth is i think an average investor who just commits to being diversified commits to being disciplined not looking for the next shiniest object could do just as well as any professional investor out there and i really think it's 
it's possible that anyone could really do this. And furthermore, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, hiring advisors. I understand the case that some people feel like they need that extra support and they want someone to tell them what they're doing is doing well and, and going great. But as you said, you know, at the end of the day, that person's not the one who's going to be there. You know, it's it's your money. And I think they generally will offer sound advice. In the U.S., it's very important that these advisors are considered fiduciaries. So they are truly looking in your best interest and um, you know, there's a lot of different screening elements to make sure that advisors are adhering to that and they're not just looking out for themselves to make themselves a cut of your money. But nevertheless, you know, these are uh, service industry jobs where you're paying a good amount of money for that service. So if you're not really going to be over or outperforming, as the data suggests, is it really worth it? What are you really paying for? And what you're really paying for is for someone to tell you you're doing a good job. And if you feel like you need that security blanket, then perhaps a financial advisor is right for you. But on the flip side, if you want to save a little more and make a little more and have higher returns and have a closer chance to getting to be a millionaire or having financial independence sooner, I really suggest you do a little research and learn how to do it yourself because the fundamentals are really easy. You don't have to become an expert. In fact, as long as you become somewhat competent, you'll likely outperform the fees that you would be paying your advisor. Um, and I think it's really, you know, important to understand that the way that as compounded returns work, paying a very small advisor fee sometimes feels like it's nothing. Um, but when you actually take that number and compound it over the course, you know, many, many people end up spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on advisor fees just because as you compound, you know, a 1% fee over many, many years, it, it creates a significant drag on your investment. So if you feel like you're up for it and you feel like you want to learn a little more and you want to take more control of your money and try to make a bit more, I would suggest you go for it and you and you do the homework and learn a little bit. And again, it won't take an entire you know degree or a life commitment of learning. I think within you know a couple of let's say 10 to 20 hours of research, you could learn sound skills that will last you a lifetime and learn how to invest. And again, passive index investments is highly suggested. Right, right, Josh. Now, look. let's look at a present scenario uh, and looking at how do you identify sectors. Right now, there is so much of talk of AI. A lot of people uh, who are using Google uh, might be very... Uh, optimistic about the future of Google or for new industry. But then there is this chat GPT coming. And now they say that Microsoft will put all that stuff into its own systems. And then that way it sounds much more promising the future sounds. At this point in time, when so much of talk is happening, a person who has got some money, where should he go? You don't have to give some sort of investment advice, but I'm talking about how do you evaluate situations when there is a new sector coming up, new developments happening, and everybody is looking at it and may not want to miss the bus. How do you look at two, three things happening at the same time in a sector like artificial intelligence, where new companies are coming up, a lot of investment is happening. And, you know, just as an example, I said that now people are looking that maybe it will be a revival of a Microsoft in a different format when chat GPT might be integrated or calibrated with their systems and Google may have to rethink how they are going to deal with that situation. That's a lot of voice, noise, 
and talk that is happening. As an individual investor, I may think, oh, this is going to be a big thing in the future. How do I evaluate such situations? That's a great question. I think um, when you're thinking about evaluating a new field that hasn't yet exactly emerged, it definitely gets very murky and you have to be very careful. And, you know, I make investments in venture capital companies and what we look at in, you know, emerging type fields, like you're mentioning AI or robotics or carbon capture or, you know, renewable energy. Um, a lot of times the technologies are unproven and the valuations are really challenging. You know, it's mostly people are getting really excited about something and that could drive, you know, a lot of return. But ultimately, the true fair valuation will be really hard to know until revenues and profits are starting to be generated by these companies. So, you know, valuation is extremely difficult in startup type industries. And a lot of times it's more people kind of betting and gambling a little bit on trends more than it's based on sound quantitative math or analytics. So having said that, I don't think you ever want to get overly optimistic and put too much of an allocation in any of these fields. If you believe in it, if you do a lot of homework in it, if you work in this field, if you feel like you, 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 this is going to be the next big thing, again, a lot of people who are betting on those types of things are doing it more on those fields. So I would encourage you to just make sure you don't overinvest. You don't put too much in because, again, these are the new latest and greatest. And there's a lot of new fields that don't go anywhere. I mean, I you know, we've, we've seen this over and over again in so many fields over the years. And even if you're also right and you call the right sector, you know, you don't necessarily call the right company. It's not always the first company that goes in that's super successful, right? I mean, Google has been extremely successful in being an internet search engine. But what about all the old search engines that came before Google that were around that never made anything with it? I mean, right. So I think you need to be very careful when it comes to valuation. And this is something that Wall Street spends billions and billions of dollars on hiring professional analysts who get it wrong a lot of time. You know, it's very difficult to value a company, especially in an emerging sector. So I would just encourage the audience to, you know, I, I don't want you to not invest in something you're passionate about or excited about, but you have to look at it more as a startup type investing. And so this would be a very minority percentage or share of your overall portfolio, uh, a, a controlled asset allocation, so to say. Right, Josh, right. And so a lot of people who can do things for themselves, but a lot of people who may want to connect with you, with your company, how do they do that, Josh? Absolutely. So I would encourage anyone who's interested to reach out. It's My website is topdollarinvestor.com. And you could send me a message. You could find me on any of my social media channels through the website. Um, I'll be anywhere that you guys are interested in viewing. And you could shoot me an email directly through the website. I'm encouraging people to reach out. I'd love to hear what topics people would like me to cover, what areas could be most helpful. Um, and, you know, at this point, I'm really just trying to encourage people to reach out. I, I'd love to hear and try to help build their knowledge base and see what is the most value add that I could give to others. Right, right. Now, uh, let's leave money a bit behind. Not not that one has to leave it behind, but uh, your example looks like there is something much more beyond money. A lot of people know it, but here we have got this example. You have got a very successful life at the Wall Street. But now, at a very young age, you move beyond that and you are adding value to people's life. You are educating them. You are helping them build wealth help them make money, save money. 
and now you are also you know online personality and blogger what made you uh, have this change josh is it that you made a lot of money and could retire early or is it there was a larger vision to it or larger sort of an understanding that there is life beyond wall street that you need to live i think it's really the latter i think you know the more time i've spent doing this the more you reach a, a certain level and i think i've been fortunate that i've reached this level of financial independence where i don't necessarily have to work but i think there's a lot of uh, value i could add to others and i really think that there's a um, inequality in kind of the amount of information and financial education that various people get so you know my message has been at this point to try to get as much of that information shared to try to make it fair for everyone because i think that you know everyone should have a chance to kind of pull themselves up to a better socioeconomic status and to build more wealth and i think it's achievable it's it's often just people don't have access to getting the right information and you know part of what drove me to to make this movement was just kind of you know seeing all the information that's out there and all the different clicking websites and blogs and you know i think some of the information is decent but a fair amount of it i think is you know not flat out wrong but not advisable not the best and i just felt like there was room for higher quality content and i want to be the one to put that out there and i feel like i have the knowledge and the expertise to actually suggest actionable ideas that are working you know that these are all things i do myself these are not you know me sitting around throwing ideas against the wall that are not actually being implemented this is how i have built a significant amount of wealth so i just want to put those things out there and try to help others at this point right josh right it's nice through you i just wanted to you know uh, share with my viewers my audience exactly that there is beyond life beyond much more than you think you have or you have trained for or learned for and this is where you know but one thing that comes to my mind josh is that what is it that keeps you motivated now and for a young man it can be very difficult from moving out the area that he has spent so much of it that whole atmosphere of a wall street is different that you are in here like a lot of people may not want to may find it very you know dull in in comparison and may want to look at it very differently how do you keep yourself motivated is it about serving is it is life more about serving how do you see yourself going forward in the future why do you want to go where you want to For me it's it's about progressing and looking for new challenges and you know whether or not this is going to be as lucrative financially of a challenge is not as important as you know if I could be of reach and be of service and be able to get my message out and gain a following and try to actually have some traction on the online community in the finance world and you know that alone is a challenge and that's something that I wake up now every day and it's exciting and I'm and I'm excited to engage with new people and to get more engaged on different levels of social media and to come on podcast and to speak with people and you know that is fulfilling to basically you know have new challenges and you know it i think people in wall street and people in law and people in medicine all find that and at some point in their lives i think it's common to want to kind of change careers a little or make a shift and for me this is just a shift and 
and I look at it as a, a new exciting field and a new direction and something I want to still be really impactful for. So that's how I'm looking at my day to day these days. Right, right. Impacting people life, people's life the best as you can. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. Thanks for having me, AJ. Thank you.